the name of the kid. Famous Swell. This here is the Tim and Sid Show. You are now tuned in. Coast to coast. Entertaining the masses. Sports entertainment. Yeah. It's about to get started. Sit back. Enjoy the show. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. In the middle of a state of emergency, does it still feel like a Friday? It does. When you work Monday to Friday, it does. Yes. The weekends are different, I grant you, Tim. But I still have that Friday. I got that feeling. I got that feeling. I'm Tim McAlfee, Sid Sixero. This is Tim and Sid Live on TV, radio, and SN Now. Angry Jays fans, we hear you. <laughs> we will get to it momentarily, okay? Yes, we will. Yes, Coming up, we we'll speak will. to Super Bowl champion, Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year, Lou Marsh Award winner, and that is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to his accomplishments. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif will join us Next hour. Can't wait, Timmy. Also in hour number two, Nate Burleson of NFL Network, CBS Sports, and apparently Nickelodeon will not only uh, get into divisional playoff weekend, but we'll go over a bit that historic broadcast he was a part of in, in uh, New Orleans, Nolens, excuse me, last Sunday. So we'll get into that. Plenty to discuss, but Tim, uh, let's begin with an interesting night number two. I have a feeling they're oh, all nice. going to be interesting, but uh, an interesting night number two in the National Hockey League. Yeah, two more very entertaining games in the North Division, if that's what you were referring to last night. Yes. And two standout performances from a pair of superstars in this North Division. And we knew we had high-end offensive talent in the North Division. We are seeing it 6-0. McDavid and Line a putting on a show. Let's start in Edmonton, where uh, McJesus had the first hat-trick of this NHL season. And the Oilers uh, win over the Canucks. Sid, you said you were expecting a big night from the Oilers' captain after being held without a point in the opener. Are you satisfied with what you saw from Connor? Oh, 97 was angry. 97 was in a mood, and I felt for Tanner Pearson, and I felt for Alex Edler. And you just, there were moments in that hockey game last night where the Canucks were powerless to do absolutely anything. I know I'll throw Thatcher Demko on the pile. It was a night you did not want to have Connor McDavid be your opposite. And and Dreisaitl had four helpers too. Like he was like it wasn't just the McDavid show last night. But uh, you you had a feeling that he was going to have that kind of an evening. But one thing I'm missing, Tim, and I didn't we didn't really bring it up a lot in the bubble because there were hat tricks in the bubble. Well, first thing, the the angle in our business that it's a story that McDavid's celebrating uh, uh, emotionally in an empty arena is lazy and stupid, and I'm not even going to talk about it. I want to talk about the hat trick <laughs> itself. Let's be honest. I can't believe that wasted airtime last night in our country. Um, I am missing the hats. I am missing hats for a hat trick. So I suggest the following to me. Mm-hmm. Some, like hats above all arenas in some form of net or easy mechanism that can release um, said hats to give the sense of hat trick normalcy. If you're going to bring in someone to play Hall and Oates in Toronto, if you're going to pay that person, then you're going to set up hats above, let's say a hat pinata, and someone like a Connor McDavid who has a hat trick, that sense of normalcy I think would be kind of cool. Not the major take of the day, obviously, but I did miss the hats last night. 
I think uh, I think that take is almost as bad as the celebrating the hat trick or the second goal take. At Timmonson, the- do you want hats <laughs> raining down? <laughs> do you want hats raining down from the ceiling for hat tricks during a pandemic? I think it's is a that hot the sound effect the Connor McDavid made when he scored that second goal and celebrated the way he did. Was it? Was it? Well, we've a we've all done that sound effect for a variety of different <laughs> reasons. But I, I hope I, I hope that was the sound. Yeah, talk about it, man. That second it. like I I sent Come a tweet on. saying it was hockey's version of broken ankles, and Matt Nickel, uh, one of the best trainers in the game, meh, one of the best trainers in the country, responded, said more like groins. <laughs> that's yeah, so that's hockey's version of tearing groins. Like Alex, like Alexander was good. Like, he did a pretty good job considering what was coming at him. There was enough. just nothing anyone could do on that rush. Zero. I don't care if Victor Hedman's on that side of the ice. You know? like I, I don't, don't care I don't, Nick I don't, Lidstrom's on that side of the ice. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. I mean, you, and you and I earlier this week, and I was, I was telling you, the one, the one thing from the NHL offseason I can't shake was McDavid fifth in MVP. Don't argue to me he didn't see that. He missed some. Don't games, make the art. I hear you, but fifth? No, I know. I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying Drysaddle didn't. I, I, I'm not. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right. And I'm a Pasternak guy, and I thought that was a little rich for my blood to have him fourth in the voting. Fifth, Connor McDavid had that tattooed somewhere, <laughs> and that opening night on his birthday, a couple of nights ago, where he went scoreless, should have had three. He could have had three points that night, easy. But you knew he was pissed. This is going to be a statement statement year for a kid who's already had a couple everyone's on notice in that north division every other defenseman in the states here's the one benefit of the pandemic <laughs> yeah you don't have to see 97 because <laughs> he's coming at yeah he's coming in hot and no, last literally night was just amazing coming literally and coming you know hot. i love i love me some understated brilliance i pointed it out in game one from john Tavares on the two-on-one in overtime leon dry you are next up, homie. The saucer pass to McDavid to set it up was understated brilliance. Did you notice the saucer pass? That's because he dropped the saucer pass over the stick of not only an opponent, but also his own teammate, Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry thought the pass was going to him. It oh, went yeah, well. past and over the stick of Tyson Berry to McDavid, who comes in, as you mentioned, hot. And the reaction from Tyson Berry as the camera angle came around and in front of his face was like, I don't even know if it was, I didn't know that wasn't for me, or holy bleep, I don't know what I just walked into in Edmonton with these two guys. Whatever it was, like, he just gave this little laugh and nod, Sixero, that said like a thousand words, like "Oh my God, I've hit the jackpot with these two dudes." I, th- I mean, if if Tyson Berry would have intercepted that, I think a two-hander was coming, and not from the opposition. <laughs> yeah. I think McDavid would have knock it out of midair. Honestly, he would have just <laughs> given it the up and under, take stick up, take it. Like that's what McDavid would have done. This is Connor's town here, yeah. Mister Berry. Um, I it was, I gotta say, just stripping it down to its kind of its simplest form here, Tim. Yeah, it is a lot of fun watching an Oilers game. I don't care whether they're allowing five or six or not. And for the record, the untold story last night—that's kind of kind of get buried—is they didn't implode defensively, especially when they had the lead, which is something Dave Tippett's not used to with this team. 
but that's not the fun thing to talk about. And we'll right. we'll we'll pop we'll back pocket that. We'll back pocket that. No, the the Koskinen part of that too, because now well, especially now, to... yeah, good point. Bring it up. Bring up the news today. Right. Uh, Mike Smith, not good news. I, we don't know much, but Timmy, fill the people in. Yeah. So all we heard was Mike Smith deemed unfit to play, and then today we're hearing uh, from a couple of different places that he is going to miss uh, a couple weeks here. Uh, came initially from Patrick Johnson of the Vancouver province uh, and son, I guess. Sources tell me Oilers goalie Mike Smith likely out multiple weeks. And then mm. uh, it's kind of mm. followed up a couple different ways in a couple different shapes and forms. So uh, it looks like uh, Miko Koskinen is going to get the lion's share of this work and good thing they have three goalies now. That's not good. The Peter Shirelli legacy lives Long into the memory with this hockey team and Koskinen, you got you got your stretch here. I mean, a couple of let's say it's even a couple of weeks, Tim. That's a lot of games. That's what seven games. Like, what is that in this ridiculous yeah. schedule that we're looking at? Yeah. So I'm not willing to say doom and gloom yet. This is going to be a crazy year. We're going to see crazy stuff. Miko Koskinen gets hot is not going to be the strangest headline you read in the NHL this season. So I'm not discounting it. Mm-hmm. But um, they had a goaltending issue in the off season. Um. Holland didn't fix it. Let's be blunt about this. We'll see if he gets away with it here. We'll see if Koskinen can bail a lot of people out. And if the blue line in front of him is 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 a little better, then it helps everybody. But right. we'll see how it goes. I'm not dis- I'm not saying this is going to be a disaster. I'm not saying Koskinen's going to have a have a nine thirty save percentage during it. We'll see. I just want to bask in the glory of ninety seven because damn that was fun. Uh, Stuart Skinner called up from the taxi squad on an emergency basis uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, and it's a good thing that I don't have a lisp while saying that. Uh, in Winnipeg, after all the talk about Patrick Laine wanting out, of course, <laughs> game number one, and Laine uh, did just about everything, including uh, scoring the OT winner over the Flames last night on a wonderful shot fake. Like, that was a that was a shot fake, right, on the overtime winner? I think I think it was. I think I'll give him credit. <laughs> no, no, I'm a I'm a liney fan. No. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Shot uh, fake. Did he did he Sid Sixero get screwed out of a Gordy Howe hat trick? Well, let's. Um, okay, I think I think we need to explain to people listening, and for those watching, maybe we should show the Noah Hannafin thing before we we actually have our reactions to this, because as everyone knows, the Gordy Howe hat trick is goal assist fight. Patrick Liney had. The two goals last night, so it was a super, supposed to be, a super Gordie Howe hat trick. Now, Kyle Connor gets hit by Hannafin. I didn't like the play at all. Uh, Chintzy. Uh, surprised we didn't hear much about it today. But Kyle Connor goes down. Patrick Liney steps in and uh, starts, a, starts a ting. He starts a little brouhaha. Now, we can tell you he got two minutes for roughing on this. The Gordie Howe hat trick, Tim, as you know, needs to be a fight. It can't be a skirmish. It can't be a pushing match. He can't be I just drop my gloves and I'm, it's automatically a fight. I don't see that as being true. I think you need a five-minute fighting major, which are becoming rarer by the day in the National Hockey League, to have a Gordie Howe hat trick. Now, he got a two-minute minor. This was this was the talk on Twitter last night. Was that actually Gordie Howe hat trick? Patrick Liney, have the clip ready, guys. Patrick Liney spoke after the game. Patrick, did you think that was a Gordie Howe hat trick? I was just pissed off because that would have been a Gordy Howe hat trick. Um, and that one time when I dropped my gloves, I got a two minute penalty. So that's, that's kind of embarrassing. But if you hit one of our top guys like that, you, you know, 
somebody needs to step up and it doesn't matter who it is who gets hit you know teammates have to step up and now now is my time and there's been a bunch of guys who've stepped up for me um so just just a normal normal situation i love it he yeah, wanted the gordy howe hat trick i love a kid who's like 22 is aware of the gordy howe hat trick nowadays like i like that makes me feel good makes me feel the, not as old um... The, the 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 serious part of this is if you are the guy that has pissed off that room before and you are the guy that's demanded a trade and people just ask you to show up for the year to get the two goals and then to stand up for your teammate after being hit from like it goes a long way it goes a long no, way and i know yeah, that there like, are people in winnipeg who think um this might be um, the last year, and this might be the guy who's been the problem in the room, although there have been several problems in that room in the past. Um, this is a great way for Line A to step up in the first game. Oh, listen, there was no happier person in Canada, aside from maybe Connor McDavid, than Paul Maurice last night. Here you have Line A, who's not happy reportedly at all in the offseason. His new line, he's less than a game in, with Connor and Stastny, and he's already fighting for the guys. That's exactly what you want. Well, skirmishing with the guys and right. for the guys. Like, that's exactly what you need if you're Paul Maurice. He was the happiest guy in the building to see that. Um, I, I think you and I are Patrick Laine fans. I think we've said that multiple times on air. I hope this works out in Winnipeg because that's a hell of a market. I don't want to see this kid anywhere else. I want him to stay. I want him to stay and do things like this on a nightly basis, because he's a special player. That is an amazing market. I hope it works out. The shot on the other goal, not the game winner. The game winner was he got his stick lifted, and it turned out to be a wonderful shot fake. But the first goal that he scored was an absolute snipe. Um, the poll is up, Sydney. I know you wanted a big poll put up there. I'm a huge, especially the on a Friday. You need a poll on a Friday. Right. So we ran it up the poll. Uh, the NHL should drop hats from the ceiling when someone scores a hat trick during a pandemic. Uh, good idea. No thanks were the options. 62% through the first 200 votes are saying good idea. Stop the count. Stop the count, Timmy. <laughs> it's done. It's over. Election's over. That's it. I want these mysterious votes coming in later. I don't need it. I don't need it. Uh, Troy writes in and says hats have to be thrown, but maybe masks might work. <laughs> the coaches got coaches don't need them; they're fine. They're coaches fine. throw their mask. By the way, which coach do you think is the mask. most their backup mask? Which head coach do you think is the most annoyed that they are masked no. during no. a game? They're, they're from a yelling standpoint, strictly a yelling standpoint. Like who's the most the annoyed? Pan, no, the pandemic will go away, and there will be coaches that will still be wearing masks because they don't want people reading their lips and seeing what they're saying to their players. I think it's the most brilliant thing that a coach really? could possibly do is keep the mask. If I were in the NHL and I've got vaccines, every doctor has said you can take the mask off, it's good, I would leave the mask on. <laughs> That's how I, I, I seriously think that there are coaches out there that are realizing right now how good it is to be wearing a mask throughout a game. See, I don't disagree with you, but I think in the NHL it's pointless because, like, what, do you, what, what, what am I trying to, to stop people from seeing? Austin Matthews, get out there. Like, what's the secret? Like, what am I – in football, though, I've you never understood bleeping, it. You bleep hole, you bleeping oh, – put your care. arm you down, you – what? They don't care. Are you kidding me? Some of the best cusses of all time of having coaches with eight cameras in the arena. They but I'm surprised, Tim. You bring up an interesting point, though. 
I, it, that's why I never understood NFL coaches fighting that. Like, how many times have you seen someone with their play card cover their mouth? They don't want oh, they I don't know. want any information going in. And you get and all all John Gruden wanted to do was rip it off. Like, what are you doing? And then you can find like two hundred fifty thousand for it. That's insane. That's insane. Because NFL coaches take everything way too seriously. That's why. Just stupid. All right. We said we'd get to it, Sydney. Are you ready to do this? Oh, here. Let's clear the rest of this block and the next one for this. This is going to be something. We're talking baseball, kids. Another big name off the board in baseball's very slow-moving free agent market, according to reports DJ LeMahieu, has re-signed with the New York Yankees $90 million over six years, 15 per season. LeMahieu like Francesco Lindor and Liam Hendricks, was a player that Toronto Blue Jays were reportedly interested in. Sydney, I step off the floor and give it to you. Um, look, the, the, easy, the easy answer to this is, did DJ LeMahieu maybe the best hitter on this market? And that includes Francisco Lindor. Yeah. Oh, you actually backed off. Sorry, Tim. I didn't actually see you back off the mic. You backed off. He wanted to be a Yankee, DJ LeMahieu did. It's pretty obvious because he had all these other offers, apparently. And there was a staring contest between New York, who doesn't want to go near the $210 million tax, tax threshold, and LeMahieu. LeMahieu could have signed anytime he wanted. He's a stud. He's a complete stud. So... Am I shocked? Should Jays fans be shocked that he wanted to be a Yankee? No. You shouldn't be shocked. But my my problem is his contract, to quote Roberto Luongo, sucks. Six years at $90 million is a joke. Tanner Roark makes 12 a year this season. And DJ LeMahieu's making 15? And you couldn't up that to make him think about it? This is my problem. And this is where Jays fans need to be a little worried here with Springer, who'll probably go off the board by the time you and I talk again on Monday. You can either talk about spending money or you can spend it. Because at no point were the Jays outspending the Yankees in this. At no point. Yankees, Jays reportedly had $78 million on the table. If you put $78 million on the table next to whatever the Yankees had prior to this last year that was added, it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. The Jays, if they're going to swim in free agent waters, have to spend, really spend, and not four more million on the AAV. We're talking 10 or more, which is why... <laughs> he froze. In in mid in mid six arrow form, I wanna. I wish I you had the don't need oh, Lindor. No. You don't need Carrasco. You're not outspending anyone else. So who the hell are you gonna get? Now you're in a spot. Now you're in a spot where you're getting a little squeezed on Springer, and things are getting a little tense around the Jays, and we can all feel it. We know it because we saw another eight tweets today about how the Jays were runners up. To DJ LeMahieu. Like clockwork. You can set your clock to those tweets. 
Springer pressure got real. Springer pressure got real. Because DJ LeMay, he signed a nothing deal today. That's nothing for a guy of his skill. I know he's 32, but that's a joke at $15 million. Go get Springer. Uh, for those wondering what happened, uh, Sid Sixero mid-Sid Sixero rant froze. Did Damn not it. realize he froze. I jumped just kept in. Going. I he just kept, kept going. going. So when he popped back onto the line, at what point did I you hear me come back up? up at what point did you hear me come back in? All I heard was and Lindor. <laughs> <laughs> Can we cut that and run it back? Because I want to see. I, I want to see how that went to air. I gotta but, see that. I gotta see it. That. It was pretty damn good, I'll tell you that much. Uh, we'll try and get it for the next block, as a matter of fact, if we can. There, I, I listen, there are no silver silver linings. Like, you either get the player or you don't. They didn't get him here, and DJ LeMayhew is a wonderful hitter, and all of the rumors you heard were probably sort of true because he was never going to leave New York. And those were basically the words of all of the insiders who were saying, yes, the Jays are interested, but it sounds like he's going to resign. Like, did you hear anything different along the last month on DJ LeMayhew? What was the story two days ago or three days ago? Or from the weekend? DJ LeMayhew, angry at Yankees, talking to other clubs. That alone, let me, let me give you a tip, kids. Whenever you read that, it was sent by the agent because the current negotiation that they really want is dragging its feet a little bit. Right. That's all that is. It's the simplest thing in hockey. I don't care what sport it is. Whenever you read that, it's BS. So we knew that whenever that story came out a few days ago. And even in the end, they didn't give him what he wanted. No, he he wanted 100 mil. He got got 15 million per season. The Jays offered him $19.5 million per season, if you believe what's being reported. And the Dodgers offered him four years and $60 million, if you're to believe it. So, listen, here's, here's what I will say about, and we'll, we'll take what you say about this, too. Because I think there's more people like you right now, Sid. But there are no midterm marks on the offseason. The offseason isn't over. It hasn't gone the way the Jays wanted, without a doubt. But it's not over. No. Ryu came, what? Late December. Two and a half months after Ross Atkins vowed to find pitching that could, quote, contribute in significant ways. Two and a half months. So while I won't say, hey, great offseason, Blue Jays, you're knocking it out of the park. I also know that the offseason isn't over. All you have to do is Google it. But we're so, in 2021, we're so recency biased. It is, it is shocking to me that you can't even remember to a year ago. And the Ryu signing. We're going to take the break. When we come back, do you want to offer up any sort of, I, I, yes. I was going to say. Okay, go. Yes. Do you want to do it now? No, I'll wait for the break. I thought you were going to go to okay. break. Yeah, let's, let's break. Well, I wanna, we're, I'm, we're not done with this. We're not done. I want to be a gentleman here. Go ahead. Give you the opportunity. This now first hour is clear. I, the air, it's, it's, a, it's a late airing of the grievances for me. I'll, I'll right. wait after the break. Uh, we'll hit up your tweets on what you believe is going on in Jay's land. And I still haven't moved off of 
there are a lot of people who have no idea where the Jays are playing and they don't want to sign here. Well, I think I think that theory is growing by the day. I think that I was that laughed being off the fueled. air. You were. You were, to be fair to you. Um, right now, I've seen Robbie Ray, and that's about it. Sorry, Mark Shapiro. Right. Robbie Ray and Mark Shapiro. Big sign. Mark Shapiro. <laughs> uh, we'll discuss this. Your tweets and Sixero's response to what I just said about the incomplete offseason from the Toronto Blue Jays next right here. Oh, yeah, and Nate Burleson and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. Oh, sounds like a show. Happy Friday. Wow. As an unlicensed doctor, we suggest a prescription for one of our shows. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Fake Doctor's Orders. Sportsnet 590 The Fan on Demand. This is Tim and Sid. Sportsnet Radio and TV. One of the greatest freezes in Tim and Sid history will be replayed in mere moments from now, but I want to get the takes, the hot takes from the audience on the Jays. Uh, Sens fan writes in and says, whatever free agent they get, if any, will grossly be overpaid. So sad. Uh, Luke writes in along the same lines. What does it cost to not know where you're playing? An extra two, five, ten million per year? Probably ten. I think that's what the Jays are up against and are unwilling to look like they overpaid. That's an interesting take on it. Do you want the player or not? Sorry? Do you want the player or not? I hear what the tweeter is saying, but you don't have the luxury of waiting on that theory because you just had comps with New York and you lost out on that. At a lower AAV, DJ LeMahieu, lower AAV, went back to New York. So if you're concerned about the location thing, which this team should be, to agree with your sentiments on that, um, you don't have the luxury of just kind of feeling it out any further if you want but, the big fish. You need to get the big fish. So what would be what would Sid Sixero... I mean, listen, DJ LeMayhew was a really good fit. And the next tweet I'm going to read is from Alexander Fanone, who writes in and says, DJ always wanted to be a Yankee. Like I said, right off the front, I couldn't agree and with him more. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to play the game, which I think people want me to ask you, which is what would you have had to pay to get DJ LeMayhew if you always thought he was going to be a Yankee? So six if, years and a hundred and ten million would have done it. He, well, he clearly won a term because he got his six years. I'd I'd have gone. I'd have gone six. I'd have gone six hundred. Yeah. I'd have gone six hundred. Six, so ten million overpay. We're talking over six years. That's that's like, yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Tim, that's how many guys on the more. Jays? I, I hear you. Five million more. How many guys on the Jays roster have finished top five in MVP voting last two years? No, oh, I wait. I got you. He's a really good player. No one's disputing that. He's a he's a he might be the best hitter in the game. He's the best hitter of this offseason. Free agent wise, without a doubt, he's the best hitter. Best hitter. It's not even close. Without he's thirty two. I got you. He's thirty two, but he's one of those rare guys that left Colorado and got better. That scares me. That's a scary talent in DJ Lemayhew. And at fifteen million a year, Tim, you know what they got? They got more money to get a couple more. No, arms. I know, but I know that's but scary. We're gonna too. sit. He- we're gonna sit here, and Jays fans are gonna blasphemize the the uh, 
the franchise, and you just kind of did, although much of it was not really by by not a really. wonderful. I'm just saying I couldn't re- hear all of it. <laughs> Good thing, um, <laughs> so I could deny half of it. I just I really hate how low the contract is to a division rival like that. Like that sucks. I know I that know. And we, sucks. And, and I'll keep making these excuses for the franchise, saying the off season's not over, because I know the off season isn't. It's not an excuse. It's a fact. Over. No, it's not but, an excuse. It's a fact. But if they end up empty-handed, like I don't, I, this fan base is going to be pissed. Elizabeth Listen, writes in. Sorry, go ahead. Elizabeth, go to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, okay, Elizabeth writes in and says the Blue Jays signed Manuel Beltre and released Walker Lockett today. How dare fans say they're not making moves? <laughs> Give her something for that. Give her a little something. Good one, Liz. Good one. Um, all the a lot of the arbitration cases kind of were were settled today, Tim. At one Eastern, like there were a lot. There were 120 players still sitting on arbitration, so you can argue. A lot of teams have been waiting to see what their actual budgets are because the Yankees had, like, signing guys and not signing guys was the difference between $10 million in free agency and not having $10 million. So uh, I think now, I mean, I'm hoping the Springer thing gets taken care of either way over the weekend. I'm just, it's, it's dragging its feet. I'm just, I'm fascinated where, the, where he goes here. Fascinating. Um, the Jays did take care of some arbitration business. Teoscar Hernandez, uh, one year, 4.325. Ross Stripling, uh, one year, three million. So the Jays have no remaining arbitration eligible players on the forty man roster. Um, for me, it just becomes all the more evident as I've been saying that the Jays are being used as a bargaining chip for many agents and players to get better money and or term out of the teams that they really want to play for. And I don't blame them in a time where you don't really know where you're going to play if you sign with the Toronto Blue Jays. And well, I, listen, get, it, I get people will say, well, it's Dunedin or Toronto. Figure it out. But that's that's a huge difference. That. And I think it's being underplayed in both um, the NBA and uh, when the Jays were playing in Buffalo. Like, I, 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 I think that people don't understand how tough it really is to not know where you're playing. Tim, you, do you – I mean, let's not be naive here. You don't think free agents in Major League Baseball right now are looking at the Raptors and yeah. saying to themselves, I don't want to do that. Why do I want to do that? I don't, I don't want to have this uncertainty. I can't, sorry, fam, like we got to uproot. We got to get a new place. And, and, and then – sorry. And then after I sign, I got to get a new place back in Toronto again. I got to uproot from the uproot? That's no joke, man. That's worth an extra $10 million a year. Better believe it. Uh, Chris writes in and says six years for a 32-year-old is dangerous. I think it was game. Uh, I think it was a game since day one. DJ had zero intention of coming to Toronto. Focus on mid-tier guys who value Toronto and Canada. I here's. I think the Jays know exactly what they want. They want a pitcher, and they want George Springer. And George Springer is going to try and get as much as he can. You're going to play the same game with George Springer that you played with DJ LeMahieu, except it's the Mets. And if the Mets are willing to go into that tax, if they're willing to go deep, then you're going to end up probably with Jackie Bradley Jr. And and the players are willing to sign for less per year, which is yeah. a whole other thing I wasn't really expecting uh, prior to waking up today. That's kind of where my angst 
comes from. Um, I, Tim, I hope, and you, you and I have kind of brought this up before. What I hope isn't happening here is the Jays have like way too many hands and too many pots. And instead of consolidating some of the funds, I'm serious. Instead of consolidating some of the funds, it's like let's let's make ten offers and see if we can catch a fish out there in the lake. You know what I mean? But when maybe the extra like, fifteen gets you a like guy. I just I hope that's not I, happening. I hope that's I not fe- happening. I feel like it's you're damned if you do and damned if you don't when you start saying that. Like, they're in on everybody, so they're distracted on the guys that they actually want when for years they got ripped for not being in on anybody. So I, I'm just going to say this. For me personally, and I know this is boring sports radio, I'm going to wait to see what happens in the offseason, and then I will, then I will Boo, give you what McAuliffe. I think of Rational thought. Boo. Because Hess. if they get George... If they get George Springer, everyone's going to have the Blue Jays boner again. So let's not play this game where everyone am, gets am, mad and all the accountability goes out I'm, the window I'm for all these people. I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm cautiously are, optimistic. But all these people who are ripping away at the Blue Jays like they did last year until they got Ryu, and then they realize no one's going to call back their tweets here because that's not the way it works. And accountability is lost in 2020, 2021, 2019, 2018. Like, just slow the roll. Wait for it to play out. And as soon as George Springer goes and Trevor Bauer goes, I think you can start firing away. But even if you end up with Jackie Bradley Jr. and a James Paxton, is it a completely lost offseason? No, no, that second tier is good. Like, that second tier is good. As as annoyed as I am at this DJ LeMahieu contract, and I am, for a lot of reasons, this, uh, I'll take Jackie Bradley Jr. any day of the week. At whatever price you might be able to get him at, yeah. But let's not, I mean, and you're not saying so. Let's be honest with each other here. Springer signs somewhere Sunday that's not Toronto, and it's going to be interesting. <laughs> I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying that's the level I, we're kind of at here. And I agree and with it's you. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be and interesting. If it's, and if it's Springer and Bauer. But Bauer's asking for, like, the dumbest money I've ever seen. Did you see his ask the other day? He wants the highest AAV in the history of baseball. The guy, just, just so we're clear, the guy who signed one-year deals forever and thought he was the smartest guy in the room, now in a global pandemic with no fans in the stands, wants the highest AAV in MLB history. Go get it, drone guy. Go get it. Knock yourself also, out. See if it's out. He's also made this reality TV for the last year and a half, too. So, Are you watching that YouTube stuff? Because I'm not. Are you watching that? Yeah, like literally. No, not really. But I'm watching nah, him and his agent neither. do the me tweet neither. game thing, too. Sending Good luck. There. Yeah. Good luck. Highest AAV ever. Good luck. Uh, can we get to the Raptors before the best of the week? Of course. But, of course, um, the Raptors last night, Timmy, I don't know how much of this you caught. Uh, the amount of it I caught, I regretted. Raptors hung on for a much-needed win against the Hornets last night. I'm just being honest. It was a bad game. But Boucher was great. Led the team. Uh, Masha career had 25 points on just 12 shots. He scored 20-plus in three of four. Um, he's got a year left on this deal, Tim, after signing it prior to the season that isn't guaranteed. Should they just do it now? Like, are you feeling yes. that kind of love towards Chris yes. Boucher? Yeah. Yes, and it's a great story. And, I, I, like, never mind he was washing dishes at St. Hubert as a 19-year-old high school dropout or he was homeless at one point. Like, just the 
professional basketball story is enough where he shows up at camp. People look at him and say, ah, he, this guy's way too skinny. He can't play in the NBA. What are we talking about here? I mean, you even watch the reactions to what he's doing now in the NBA, and there's people laughing. Like, the numbers over the last four games, he's averaging 15-6 and six in the season. Over the last four games, he's averaging 21 points per game, 8.5 rebounds per game, 3.5 blocks per game, and he's doing it on 65% from the field and 58% from three with that shot that comes up over the head, you know, release. He looks like he's Bill Cartwright shooting a free throw. Who gives a bleep? It's going in. <laughs> Bill Cartwright reference. Goodness gracious. If you got him in the pool, good on you. Like, every time he's played 25 or more minutes, he's putting up numbers. He's averaging 23 a game. Like, this is the one where if it was a regular season, the home crowd, the hometown crowd would love Chris Boucher. This would be the feel-good story. Every time he hit a bucket, you'd hear the boo or whatever. The hometown crowd would be going absolutely crazy for this guy. And it's a great story, and I love watching it. I have no idea what it means to the Raptors winning because they had to hang on in the second half of a back-to-back against the Hornets. But whatever, I'm enjoying Chris Boucher. Leave me alone. Um, speaking of the end of that game last night, what is Lowry doing that much up into Devonte Graham, who is like one of the worst shooters in in the league? Like I like that. And that you're he worried about him. a foul. Yeah. He was. I'm saying. I, I, yeah. I thought he fouled him. Like that. Devonte Graham's field goal percentage is like you need a, a, a magnifying glass to see it. What are you doing that 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 up into him anyway? Um, the the fun part about Boucher Tim is defensively half the time he screws up. Every time he's still learning a lot in this league. Like he's lanky and get the blocks, you get a defensive rebound here and there. You can do some things. He's still really learning that end of the floor. Wait till he figures it out. Like at 28, like he's not old. He's not young. He's like a tweener, but he's got a lot of room to grow and hopefully he doesn't. And it's amazing when you get that kind of money, Tim, I know the second part of the 13.5 isn't guaranteed for him, but when you get that, that deal, you play a little looser sometimes. Just a little bit. And I think Boucher is doing that. One of the first pitches I had on Tim and Sid, the TV show, and Sid can back me up on this, was Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and his story out of McGill and into the NFL. The kind of poll we have here on Tim and Sid, five and a half years later, we got our guy. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, the Lou Marsh co-award winner this year, the co-award winner of the SI Sports Person of the Year is coming up. Nate Burleson will also break down uh, our divisional weekend in the National Football League in the final half hour of the show. It is jam-packed. Best of the week is next right here on Tim and Sid. And by the way, we might have found, we might have found how to re-rack Sid Sixero mid-brand oh, being please. frozen. I got to see this. I got to see this. Next on Tim and Sid. Sportsnet Radio and TV. This ain't like when you're at a game and sign up for a credit card just to get the prize and then you immediately cancel the credit card. Because there's no prize when you sign up for our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. Welcome back, everybody. Tim and Sid here live on TV and radio. 
Laurent Duvernay-Tardif coming up next hour. Nate Burleson coming up next hour. In the meantime, Timmy, Springer hasn't signed, right? Just checking before we continue. Springer hasn't signed. Uh, no? no, Springer no? has not signed as of yet. Okay. No. Oh, Time now for Best of the Week. Brought to you by Mary Brown's Chicken Crave Delicious. Here's how it works. We'll give you the options for our favorite clip of the week. You can vote on Twitter at Tim and Sid. We'll reveal the winner at the end of the show. Nominee number one, Timmy. Earlier this week, uh, we were discussing the NHL's outdoor game in Lake Tahoe and where they can actually play the game. Now, the, the, the rink is going to be on the side of the lake coming up next month. It's not on the lake. That topic came up with the Avs Pierre-Edward Belmar and Andre Burakovsky, since they're Avs and they're one of the teams that's going to play there. Unfortunately yeah. for Belmar, he had to find out in a very difficult way that he's not actually playing on said lake. I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah. I actually, like, I have never uh, skated on a lake my entire life. We're not I skating still... on a lake, though. Huh? It's not on the lake. It's not on a lake? No, it's beside the lake. No! Yeah. I thought it was on Lake Tahoe. We're playing on the 18th uh, fairway, bro. No! Take, I didn't even know. You can take a take. <laughs> For real? Oh, you just crushed my dreams. Even the guys involved don't think it's a good idea. That's unbelievable. Barakowski oh, with the bro, with the bro. <laughs> that's nominee number one. That's that's pretty strong. I hadn't seen that clip. Nominee Tim number two. Uh, Bills fan Wolf Blitzer. Bills Ravens Saturday night Orchard sorry, Park New York. I'm sorry, what? He's a Bills. You didn't know this? Wolf Bills Blitzer. Fan Wolf Blitzer. Bills fan, and it's always a great moment when Wolf Blitzers got jokes. <laughs> This is CNN Breaking News. We're following major breaking news here in the Situation Room. I'm Wolf Blitzer. The breaking news is very simple. Go Bills. Ha, 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 ha. He said go Bills. Hilarious. Breaking news and then boom, over the top with the go Bills. You just got wolfed. Wow. Just said go Bills. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't anywhere. Are you kidding me? That's Eddie Murphy delirious for that guy. Are you kidding? (laughs) That's That's nowhere near what happened earlier on this show. Sid Sixero was in mid-rant form. Sixero on the Jays. DJ LeMayhew. Technological fart right in the middle. And I don't know if I enjoyed this more than anyone else, but I did enjoy it. Late entry. Best of the week. Six zero mid rant, freeze frame. I gotta see this. You can either talk about spending money, or you can spend it. Because at no point were the Jays outspending the Yankees in this. At no point, Yankees Jays reportedly at seventy eight million on the table. If you put seventy eight million on the table next to whatever the Yankees had prior to this last year that was added, it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. The Jays, if they're going to swim in free agent waters, have to spend, really spend, and not four more million on the AAV. We're talking 10 or more, which is why. <laughs> he froze in, in mid in mid six zero four. Oh, is that not the visual of the book cover? Like. <laughs> I like, like when that. you came back from the freeze 
and kept going oh, as if nothing better? had happened. I All would right. like that's to add to that later on the show. One more edit. One time. more edit, boys. One, One more, more edit if we have time. The fact that you came back and we're still going, even though not only was I talking, never mind. Amazing story out of England this week where 18-year-old Declan Thompson made his first team debut for Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup. Now, the amazing part of the story was not that he was just 18 was that he was in a wheelchair as a youngster suffering from Perthes disease and was told he would never walk again. Well, he was walking and playing professional soccer, which brought some joy to his parents watching at home when he made his debut. Man, I got no, I got no soul, and I felt that one. That's great. Uh, That's great. I love the fact that you could hear the answer in the back. And Declan Thompson comes on. <laughs> Head to at Tim and Sid on Twitter now to vote for your favorite clip. We'll reveal the winner at the end of the show. Laurent Duvernay Tardif, frontline healthcare worker, Super Bowl champion. Dare I say Canadian hero? I just said it. He will join us next, and he has a hell of a story to tell. This is Tim and Sid. We are live on TV and radio. Thanks for joining us today. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. No medical exam or health questions will be asked. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. Time for Tim and Sid. Time for Tim and Sid. It's time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and Sid Sexero. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. It is a uh, kind of a football feeling for the final hour of the show. Nate Burleson will join us to discuss the divisionals, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. And Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, if you don't know the story, we'll break it down for you in a second. But one of the more inspirational athletes of 2020, without a doubt, coming up on today's edition of the show. Not only a champion on the field, but a champion off the field as well. For those not familiar with the story, before we talk to Laurent, for those not familiar with the story, I think it's important that you get familiar. I know a lot of you are. But for the few of you that aren't, um, you are forgiven. And Tim McAuliffe has a refresher to bring everyone up to speed before we bring on Laurent. Hit it. Laurent, six years ago, you were a senior at McGill. Now you stand here, a Super Bowl champion. He's leading somewhat of a double life, NFL lineman and doctor. Dr. Duvernay-Tardif. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif was the first NFL player to opt out of the season due to COVID-19. He helped treat patients at a long-term care facility in Quebec. He said that he couldn't risk potentially spreading the disease simply to play the sport that he loves. Very special man up in, as you say, Quebec. You know, I think now I can say I'm a pretty good student athlete. <laughs> Less than one year ago, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif stood on the field at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, talking to Arash Medani, 
after winning the Super Bowl, Duvernay Tardif had already authored one of the most unlikely and remarkable stories in Canadian sports history. But what he has done in the months since that moment has taken his story from inspiring to heroic. Duvernay Tardif made the decision to opt out of the 2020 NFL season, giving up millions of dollars and the chance to defend a Super Bowl title, choosing instead to fight COVID-19 on the front lines, working at a long-term healthcare facility near his hometown outside of Montreal. Duvernay Tardif's selflessness was recognized as he was one of five activist athletes named as Sports Illustrated's Sports Person of the Year. He's also named the co-winner of the Lou Marsh Trophy as Canada's Athlete of the Year. He has since taken time off from the long-term care facility to focus on his master's studies at Harvard and to work on initiatives for his charitable foundation. Earlier this week, he announced his plans to not only return to the facility, but to the Chiefs next season. He talked about how much he missed the game. But even as he watches, the Chiefs get set to begin what they hope is another long playoff run. Duvernay Tardif says he has no regrets about his decision. Timmy, what a story. And a reminder that uh, he doesn't turn 30 until next month. <laughs> so there are other chapters to be written in this story. From a sporting yeah. standpoint, uh, Tim and I are really excited to talk to this young man. Uh, as citizens, Tim and I are, uh, are honored to talk to this young man. Laurent Duvernay Tardif is here on Tim and Sid. Laurent, thank you for the time. Um, you have gotten a lot of attention. Are you comfortable with it? Because it's been a lot. Honestly, that's a, that's a really good question because, uh, well, you know, all the awards, you know, the Lou Marsh, the sport that is traded, uh, th that was a lot for me, um, especially because it took me a, a long time to, I think, realize the impact of my decision not to play. It, at the beginning, it was, uh, it was really a personal decision. And, and, and at some point, I realized that I was really, like, creating traction with it. And it's great, but I, but I think the people who really deserve the credit for everything that's been going on this year are the frontline worker. Because uh, at the end of the day, what I'm doing is helping, you know, a few days a week uh, in the long-term care facility in Quebec. But there's people that have been working there for the past 20 years. Uh, and, and I think they're really the one who deserve the credit because they're the one who's making all the sacrifice right now. Very well said. As, as, as I rolled through just the last year like i thought in my head like you're my constant monday motivation like if you can accomplish this there's so much more that i can do do you is is there a greatest accomplishment on your list or is that like asking you to name your favorite kid <laughs> uh, i think 2020 for me um has been a, is a pretty intense year uh it's going to be for sure a year that i'm going to remember you know coming off a of super bowl was an amazing accomplishment uh as a team and that was just in february and then three months later uh, you're working in a long-term care facility making you know the same sacrifice that thousands of people make to go back and help uh and, and after that you know opting out of the season um, it, it was really a year of like ups and downs, but, but I think what I'm the most proud of uh, is to say that I follow my conviction, you know, in that five years, 10 years from now, when I'm a doctor, I'm going to be able to look back at this year and be, I made the right call uh, because at the end of the day, for me, you know, crossing the border, going back to play football, even though football is essential, I think right now sport is kind of a connective tissue to our society. It's like critical to have that, to bring people together, like for me personally, um, it would have been a little bit of a nonsense. Like, I feel like my place was here. And that was a tough call to make, but, I, but I'm proud of my decision. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif here on Tim and Sid. Um, 
Laura, I know earlier this week you mentioned you are for sure going to go back, but as we've learned in the last 10 or so months, there are no certainties to anything. Um, is this 100% in your mind, uh, OTAs, training camp, you know, pandemic willing, um, you're going back? Or is there still a little wiggle room there to make another decision? Well, you, you know, I think the only thing I can do right now is to put myself in the best, you know, physical condition possible to go back there and fight for a job. Like nothing is certain from a COVID standpoint, but also just from a football standpoint, like people think that you just go back and take your spot. But the reality of the business is that there are other guys that are younger, healthier, stronger, faster, cheaper that are going to be there to compete for a spot. So um, I, I think the only thing I can do right now is control what I can control. That's, that's something that my, you know, sports psychologists keep telling me, like control what you can control. And in a time of uncertainty, control what's certain. And for me, it's like my ability to train. Uh, I don't know how it is in Toronto, but in Montreal, all the gyms are closed right now. So I'm training on my balcony, on my patio outside. Uh, it's a little bit like Rocky Four movie, but whatever. <laughs> I, I do what I can. And that's my promise to myself that um, I'm going to do everything I can to show up to OTAs in the best shape possible and see from there. Hopefully there's no Russians chasing you in their car. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you miss it? Oh, my God. Uh, yes, yes. And, and I feel like the further we go along in the season, the more I miss it. You know, at the beginning, it's like, okay, well, it's only a few games. And at some point, you know, when, when it's getting darker, colder, the stakes are higher, it, 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 I miss it a lot. You know, and, and especially now, I don't know why, but, you know, with the bye week and everything, I'm like, okay, how did Coach Reed handle this? Okay, we're Friday, so we installed Red Zone. We're getting ready for a big game. Did we practice full fight during the week to get ourselves ready or we took it off? Uh, so it's, it's, it's been really, uh, it's kind of in my DNA right now, and I just go with the rhythm, rhythm of the season, and I, and I miss it for sure. Who's going to have more butterflies this weekend uh, before the Chiefs take on the Browns? The Chiefs or you watching from afar? And I know you're still technically a Chief. Don't get me wrong. I understand. But do you get more nervous than those guys going into games like this in this current situation you're in? I feel like it's way harder to just watch it and actually play in a game. Like when you're playing the game, uh, not that you're in control, but at least you contribute. You do, so you do something to, to help win this, uh, the football game. But when you're just watching on TV... And don't get me wrong, I love watching it on TV, but I hate the TV angle because we don't see the O-line enough. So it's just, <laughs> I'm always asking myself like, oh, did you make this block? Did Pat get pressure because of a twist or because of a blitz? Like what happened? So it's frustrating watching it on TV and I, and I wish I could be done there. Yeah, the big fellas never get enough love on TV. Uh, <laughs> Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is joining us here on Timmons. I know you've had a good relationship with Andy Reid, whose mom, by the way, also earned a medical degree from McGill. Uh, but it's not often that starters walk away from Super Bowl champs in the prime of their career. How supportive has the team been throughout this, uh, this chaotic year? That, that was honestly my biggest fear, you know, when I opted out, I was like, How's the team going to react? Because I was feeling like I was letting the team down. And, and the amount of support I got, you know, from, from Pat the next day in his press conference, from Coach Reed, from Trav, from all the guys on the O-line, it's, it's been really amazing. Actually, once I got the support from my teammate, uh, the amount of weight that, that was just lift off my shoulder, it, it, it was uh, – that's when I knew I was making the right call, you know, from a team perspective. And, and that that's amazing, you know, to know that – in a really competitive business, you still have room for, you know, friendship and, and support that goes outside of the field. That's, uh, that's really amazing. When's the last time you communicated with Patrick? 
Uh, Patrick, it's been a while. We, we sent each other a few texts after you, he, uh, we were co-winner of the Sport Illustrated. Uh, but, but you no, know, I, I text mostly with the guy on the O-line just because, you know, we're closer, uh, you know, play chess with Fisher and so on. So it, it's, a, it, it's weird because I know what it is to go about your business in a locker room and w when people get cut or when there's you no know, severe injury, you lose track of people. So I don't want to put any pressure on, on, you know, talking to the guys. I know what they're going through right now. And I respect that, but it's always good to have some news. So uh, I try to stay in touch. Laurent Duvernay Tardif here on Tim and Sid. One of the things that I'm most impressed about, about your story is the balance. Uh, being able to play university football, let alone pro football, and balance getting your medical degree. And I remember being at McGill uh, for a press conference when the university, uh, when Montreal was playing in the Vanity Cup. And your name came up. In fact, it was uh, one of Sid's favorite ADs, Dr. Drew Love, brought your name up to me and said that some of the doctors at the school were trying to convince you to stop playing football because of your talents on the academic side of things. How many people told you that you couldn't do this, that you couldn't do both, that you couldn't balance all of what you're balancing now? All right, that's, that's the story of my life, you know. <laughs> uh, from day one when I started at McGill, I mean, my English back then was terrible. It's getting a little better now. But, uh, you know, I, I had to, like, learn English, uh, start medicine and play football at, at, at the university level. So uh, a lot of people were telling me, you're going to have to choose. You cannot do, you know, both at the same time. And I stopped playing football. Like, when I started at McGill at the beginning of the, the 2010 season, I was not playing with the, with the team. And I realized that I was missing that balance, you know, and, and I needed it in my life to perform better in the classroom. And that's, that's when I decided that no matter what, I was going to try to like push it, even if it met at the highest level. So uh, when I was doing the pre-draft visit in 2014, I actually met Coach Reed at that time. And I told him uh, my plan about medicine. And he's actually one of the, the only coach who saw the medical school thing as a positive thing. And he was like, I'll do whatever I can to help you pursue both because my goal is to make you a better football player, but you also got to be a better human off the field in order to do that. So Um, yeah. from, you know, for the past 10 years, that, that was my goal. And, and actually, when I opted out of the 2020 season, uh, it's been 10 years uh, since I, you know, opted out of my first year at McGill. So that was kind of weird, you know, that feeling. But um, for the past 10 years, it's been my mission to combine both at the same time and to try to inspire the kid as well to do so, because we're telling the kids that they got to focus on one subject, on one thing in order to perform in life. But I feel like, like you were mentioning, like balance is such a powerful thing and, and you're able to cope better with the anxiety, with the stress, with the pressure of performing in one field when you have something else in another, in another field, another hobby, another passion. So that's really my motto. Super Bowl champion and frontline worker, uh, <laughs> Laurent Duvernay-Tardif here on Tim and Sid. Laurent, I, I, the, the element to what's going on here with the pandemic that people like me will never truly wrap our heads around is what's going on in long-term care facilities. Yeah. You've been there a lot. Uh, I also know you were vaccinated today for the first time. You got your first dose today. Your emotions when you got vaccinated, considering what you've seen, were what? Uh, you know what? We, we've been on the defensive for the past year. You know, the only thing we, we could do about the virus, whether it's long-term care facility or just society in general, was to wash your hand, wear a mask, social distance each other. 
And I feel like now for the first time, there's like hope, hope that we can be proactive about it. And, and, and I was just talking to my supervisor in long-term care facility because I'm going back to work next week. And uh, she was mentioning that like 97% of the patient actually got, you know, the vaccine. And, and that's, that's an amazing news. Like for that's the great. first time, you know, we won't have to like take patient that test positive and just literally force them out of their room in order to like, place them in a cafeteria full of stretcher because that's your red zone. Like right now what's going uh, on in those is those non-curve care facilities is, is straight up like chaos sometimes. And, and I feel like the vaccine along with all the effort from the frontline worker is, is, is the only hope we got. So we gotta, we gotta embrace that. We gotta be proud of it. And, and I feel like um, I'm not the only one who's saying it. Like we have to be vaccinated and realize the importance it, it, it has because we're, we're seeing like record high number of, of new cases a day and it's not going to go away. Like getting people vaccinated, I feel is the only thing uh, we can do uh, to, to really stop that, that pandemic. I feel like people are listening to memes more often than they're listening to people who have spent their entire lives studying the subject when it comes to things like this. You had no trepidation. There was no second thought about sitting down and getting this vaccination, even though you had studied um, a lot more than most of us, <laughs> way more than most of us. <laughs> Not at all. And, and I mean... <laughs> What else is it gonna take? Like you see, Fauci, Biden, like everybody uh, who 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 believe in the science is getting vaccinated right now. Uh, so of course, uh, the vaccine is not available to everybody. But when it is, I feel like it, it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be even thinking about it. Like that's that's how we're gonna get through this. I feel like uh, sometimes it's, it's think like a genius. It's a quote, think like a genius, communicate in the language of the people. So for the first time with this vaccination, we're allowed to run block the virus as opposed to going back and pass protection. <laughs> for the first time, we're in third and one situation instead of third and 15. You're right. <laughs> right. right. Understood. Um, I, I, I know when you got the call for the Lou Marsh Award, one of the uh, one of the questions that you asked was, or at least I heard this, that you wanted to talk to and or meet Alfonso Davies. Has that occurred yet? No, not yet, not uh, yet. But I, I, w I wish it's going to happen at some point because you know when you look at Canadian athlete, um, I, I think it's for sure one of the greatest Canadian athlete uh, of probably of the decade. Like I. I it's an honor for me actually to be co-nominated with him. I, I don't consider myself a, a great athlete. You know, I'm 320 pounds and uh, <laughs> yes, I, I squat a lot, but uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a great athlete by any means. But uh, with the pandemic and everything, I think it was also important to acknowledge other things than just sports. So that's why my name got in there. But in terms of like best Canadian athlete, uh, for sure, Alfonso is, is the one. Whatever, man. I've seen your combine times. You can you can play at least at least defensive mid. You can play at least a solid <laughs> defensive mid. Uh, all right, Laurent. Quickly before we let you go, uh, I know we've talked about a lot of things here, but I, I need a I need a Super Bowl pick. Who's winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> Is it even a question? Uh, I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go with the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs versus uh, Green Bay, probably. Uh, that'd be my guess. Yep. Uh, We'll take, well, I'll take that game. That'd be a hell of a game. Yeah. Hell of a game. Listen, uh, we've been pitching this conversation, no joke, for about five years, maybe even more. So we re really appreciate the opportunity to finally catch up with you and do this. Thanks for, for taking the time. That was awesome. Thanks for the invitation as well. 
There is Laurent Duvernay Tardif. I chuckled when you said um, Super Bowl champion and frontline worker. <laughs> like, and when when you think about it, there's, I mean, there's an athlete that got a vaccine. Why? Because he is actually working on the front lines and headed back there after a little bit of a break. It is, I mean, it's an inspiring story. There's no other way to put it. And I debated asking him that question, Tim, because everything's politicized. Right. And I didn't want to drag a man of actual science and ethics into that. But, um, like, when you hear him talk about, the like, and he brings up the sports, he's, he's so smart. He brings up the sports analogy to talk about the vaccine. Like, we're on, we've been on defense the whole time. And um, I thought it was important to hear it from him because I, I, like, I, I don't know how you can discredit or not believe or not absorb or not completely um, understand until you hear it from reality and from people based in reality. Because you mentioned the memes. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm not intending to go here, so stop me at any time. But... I think that's really, really, really important because we don't often hear. I know we hear from health officials. Yeah, I think people but, have this this distance between what they see on TV yeah. and they read on the internet. And when you see a human being doing real work, say it with with so much uh, conviction, it's different. It's and it's different in that like. You know, you watch in Ontario, we have CP24. You watch CBC News World. That's going across the country, obviously. You see, like, the officials. But no one in this specific moment is getting their hands dirty like people like Laurent. Because, and they're rarely on TV. You know why? Because they're working. Because <laughs> they're busy. They don't have time to tell you at home, whatever level of intelligence you think you have, what the actual deal is. They don't have the time for that. And I think it, I thought it was important to ask him on the day he got vaccinated to the first dose what his thoughts were on that. So I, I appreciated, we appreciated his, his candor and honesty. Yeah, we always try and wa- warn people that athletes aren't role models. Uh, with that dude, don't worry about it. That dude is a role model. And I'm serious. The mo- my motivation Monday always, like if he's able to accomplish that, we're, so, we're capable of so much more. Uh, Dirt wrote in said, watching uh, Laurent Dur- Dur- Duvernay Tardif on Tim and Sid, it's always a feel-good story. Although I'm not a Chiefs fan, I always cheer for number 76. By the way, should have been the lone winner of the Lou Marsh. Tyler writes in and says, as both a Chiefs fan and a Canadian, the word, is, the word proud is an understatement for what Laurent Duvernay Tardif has done in the past year, both on the football field and in the fight against COVID-19. Truly an inspiration will give him the last word. Um, there's some baseball things going on right now, and we have about five minutes until break, Sydney, and Let's we'll go. continue on Sportsnet 360, go off on Sportsnet Hockey Central, we'll take over and continue on on Sportsnet 5, Night of the Fan for the final half hour. Chris Bryant and the Cubs have agreed to $19.5 million, he's third year arbitration, so, um, he's got this season, then he's a free agent in 2022. Um, nineteen and a half million. DJ got fifteen a season. DJ Lemayhew from the Yankees, though over six years. Does does nineteen and a half surprise you? Does it change your vision on whether or not he'll be traded? What what does nineteen and a half tell you 
if anything, about Chris Bryant. It tells me he's going to get traded soon because I think people were waiting to see what that final number was and what their own numbers were after their own arbitration settlements. So, I mean, listen, Theo Epstein left the Cubs, and, and we haven't talked about it. He's going to be a consultant for on-field activities for Major League Baseball at the head office. Mm-hmm. So he's, there's a reason he left Chicago is that they're going to tear it down. Chris Bryant is going to get traded. I have, I have no problem with Chris Bryant. But I would love to know the, uh, I didn't feel like going in on Francisco Lindor like that, people. Why they're okay with doing that with Chris Bryant. Just explain, just for any of those people out there, you know who you are. It's the exact same situation. Unless There's he no was guar- sign with you. Unless. No guarantee on the back end. He's a worse defensive player. He's a worse offensive player. But just explain to me if you were willing to bring in Bryant. Why Bryant and not Lindor and Carlos Carrasco? Lindor, by the way, 27 years old. Just that cr- that crowd I'd love to hear from. If you're okay with a Chris Bryant offer. And I love Chris a Chris Bryant on the Jays, I love. But explain to me why one is okay and the other isn't. Just explain it to me. Uh, Jason Stark also reporting on Twitter that the Phillies have offered JT Realmuto five years and nine figures, to which uh, many a J fan has already hmm. uh, tweeted back at Jason Stark in the comments saying the Jays just offered four years and $78 million. <laughs> <laughs> But they finished second. Tim, they yeah. finished second. They were in on it. Um, Tim, let me let me. Add, we don't have a ton of time. Are you are you in the group that the Jays like really need a catcher right now? Like, are you in that no. group? No. Neither am I. But I think I think I think the Jays need another meat of the order hitter, and I think that's why Chris Bryant's coming up, and I think that's why JT Realmuto is coming up, and I think that's why. Francisco Lindor was coming up, and DJ LeMahieu. They need another beef bat in the middle of that lineup, which also eases the pressure, as we know, as we have seen with guys before, eases the pressure on the kids a little bit to have another big bat in the middle of the lineup. And I think that's why people are interested. They just want one more big bat in the middle of the lineup. There's a, there's a decent number of second-tier bats, though. Like, I don't know if you have to go $100 million on a catcher. Right, like I know, I know we've been talking dollars and cents a lot here. That just seems, and I know. Listen, JT Real Muto is the best catcher in baseball. There is no debate. He's a hell. He's fantastic on the base paths. He is the real deal. But But let Dave Dombrowski and the Phillies just overpay for him and let him keep him. Like, stay. I would stay out of that. I really would. I also think that there are people doing the math here, and they're figuring if you sign Real Muto, then the Jays catchers and the the glut that they have at catcher are now tradable and you might be For able sure. to get something back. So For it's sure. almost like, Oh, well, if you sign JT rail Muto, if you're a Jays fan, then you're not just getting rail Muto. You're getting whatever you get back in trade for the other guy who ends up going. Um, so I think that's part of the equation when it comes, I just, I really believe. And I think, I think I've said this from the start the Jays can use a meat of the order bat to ease the pressure on the kids a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I don't why, debate that. I don't debate that's that. That's why when you hear Chris Bryant, people are like, yeah. That's why when you hear Francisco Lindor, people are like, yeah. And that's why when you hear J, JT Real Muto, you hear the same thing. Um, this baseball story is kind of cooking here. We are done here yeah. on Sportsnet. If you want to follow way, us. What do the, sp- the Jays offer, if according to reports, to DJ LeMahieu? Was it 19 and a half million? 19, 19 and a half million, correct. Right, what, 19 and a half per year. What did just get? 
This discussion continues. We also have Nate Burleson on Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet 590, the fan of the Sportsnet app. You can stream us. Join us then. Back after this. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Do not settle. Demand. Demand. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. Tweets continue to roll in after our interview with Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. Dale Henderson writes in and says, just watch Tim and Sid interview with Super Bowl champ and frontline worker, Dr. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, a true Canadian hero, also an inspiration to any and all student athletes, that when you are given the proper support, and he puts Andy Reid in brackets, you can achieve amazing things. The Andy Reid angle is amazing on this. And for those who missed it, Andy Reid's mom got her degree from McGill. So when he was talking in the pre-draft workouts with Andy Reid, there was an instant connection, and it may be why the Chiefs ended up using a late-round draft pick on this young man who ends up being their starting guard. But, and great point, Tim. But also to follow up, there was a moment in the interview where he said, you know what, I'm going back next year, but i got to fight for my job. That young man was given a $42 million contract by the Kansas City Chiefs. He is humble beyond words. I don't know if he has to fight for much. They know who he is. So can't wait to see him back on the field, which would mean other things were normal in our lives. Good luck to him. I'm um, just uh, struggling to find our lines. Sydney. Oh, sorry. Do you, is, is, is it time for Inside the Lines? Brought to you by Sports Interaction, Tim. Canada's odds maker, 19 nice. plus. Play responsibly. Divisional playoff round. NFL playoffs. Tim, begin tomorrow. Pair of games Saturday, Sunday. The weekend starts. Packers hosting the Rams at Lambeau. Green Bay favored by a touchdown. Saturday night, get your popcorn ready. Bills host the Ravens. Two-and-a-half-point favorites are the Bills. Total sits at 50. Is that a tasty total, Tim? I don't do the totals a lot. Are you a total guy? Yeah, that's an interesting one because they both have good – I am a total guy, but they both have uh, decent defenses as well. It's not they, they have good offenses, but it's not as right. if they've got crap defenses. The 50 points is interesting. Sunday, the Browns visit KC as 10-point underdogs and the highest – total of the weekend sydney that's at 57 and to close it out the battle of the veteran qbs have you have you been able to tell that i found my script tom brady well played timmy well played drew breeze new orleans favored by three points speaking of new orleans tim nate burleson mm-hmm. of nfl network joining us yes. um and we'll get into divisional playoff weekend but dare i say the buzz event of Super Wildcard Weekend was the Nickelodeon Bears Saints broadcast. Uh, I don't want to say featuring because he's a humble man. He will correct me. But with Nate Burleson on the team, it was a roaring success. Nate, congratulations on that. That was special. That was a Thank level you. of talent you don't find in many people. You had to talk to like three or four different audiences simultaneously there not only parents in the room but the kids watching the graphics package was incredible the pregame stuff you did you hit every note properly i just wanted to congratulate you because that is that was phenomenal how much fun was that i i appreciate it man thank you so much uh for me it was it was a dream come true and i'm not i'm not exaggerating um when i say that it it, it truly was like the the little kid in me um, you know, doing something that I was born to do. I, I, I talk about it all the time. I'm an 80s baby, like through and through, you know, raised in the 90s and influenced by the 2000s. So to be able to like 
talk to kids from 50 to adults, our kids from five to adults that might be 50, um, it, it was it was special. And I got to give credit to everybody else, the production team, the, the meetings we had, the Zoom calls. We were all over it. And um, I'm just glad some of the stuff landed, man. You know, I, yeah. I, I tried to talk to the people and not talk down to them because I, I wanted to be able to give the young kids digestible information, but I didn't want the adults in the room to be bored. And I feel like we hit the sweet spot. You did. You did. And I think it was uh, it was roundly known. Before we get to the rest of this weekend, we got a couple of new head coaches. And I, I want to ask yeah. you, uh, Robert Sala with the uh, with the Jets, Urban Meyer with the Jags. Which one do you which hire do you like more? I like Sala. You know, I, I feel like Ur- Urban Meyer, he has that championship pedigree. We know that um, he's respected as a college coach, but he doesn't have that experience in the NFL. Um, so that's that's a gift and a curse. You walk in right away, the guys are going to look at you and say, oh, he's a champion. But at the same time, there's going to be that hesitation. And, you know, you have grown men. I, I say it, grown men with millions. And how do you convince them that you're not going to come in and try to do it the college way? I mean, these aren't kids that are playing for a scholarship and are, are, are playing for lunch swipes in the cafe. These are grown men with grown men problems that got kids. And this is more than um, a, a place that helps them go to school. This is their job, their livelihood. So he's going to have to find the, the difference between how he coached young men in college and how he's going to coach grown men in the league. Sala, I like it because it's, it's like everything you might want in the fan if you weren't a fan of Adam Gates. And this is an indictment against Adam Gates. You know, I'm indifferent. I'm not a, I'm not a Jets guy. But it's, it's, like, it's always like that, that meme or what people say. It's like you and then the guy your girl tells you not to worry about. Like <laughs> Adam, Adam Gates is super chill, right? He's laid back, pretty reserved. You only see him get riled up during the press conference. Robert Sala isn't that. Like he is intense. He, he has that energy. Um, and then also he, he brings a high IQ of football along with it. So um, I, I like that hire. And on top of that, I'll say this. Him coming from a different ethnic background than the traditional hire, which is finding a white coach that's part of some buddy system, it's good to, to tap into the diversity of the NFL when it comes to coaching hires, especially in a place like New York, where your new head coach is now matching the diversity in which New York and New Jersey prides itself on. Nate Burleson here on Tim and Sid. And here's hoping Eric Bieniemy has a job or two open by the time the Chiefs are yeah. done. Well, yeah. here's hoping that because that man deserves it as well. Um, all right, Nate, which four games this weekend, which home team's fan base should be the most worried going into this weekend? The Green Bay Packers. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and wow. I, I picked the Green Bay Packers. I believe that they're going to win, but like, what's worse than a team that has nothing to lose? Like, what's worse than a team that's not supposed to be here? Yeah, listen, the Rams, as good as Sean McVay is, um, just think about that division for a second. I mean, the entire season was based around the Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks narrative. And then there was the Arizona Cardinals. And then for a split second, we were like, wait a minute. Is Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers going to get in the tournament? We weren't really thinking about the Rams. And now all of a sudden they're figuring out Jared Goff is he's basically in Mitchell Trubisky mode doubt and taking all the doubts and using the criticism as fuel and he's like wait a minute y'all don't think i deserve this job also also oh, so y'all was going to bench me for john wolford who i love and i appreciate but i'm your hundred million dollar man and now all of a sudden y'all think i can do it okay i'm gonna bounce back from this thumb injury and i'm gonna go out there and cook and on the flip side you have two shut down dudes you have two absolute monsters two destructive cons you got aaron donald all pro absolute beast 
I guess his new nickname is Terminator, which is fitting. Um, but then on the flip side, not on the flip side, on the back end, you have Jalen Ramsey, who is an eraser, like old school. Hey, yo, I'm going to line up over here. Um, the, the rest of you 10 dudes, you guys stop the other guys. The dude that's in front of me, I'm going to shut him down. So for him to be a true shutdown corner, like, is that going to void out Devontae Adams? Not in the sense that he's going to get shut down. I feel like Devontae Adams is too good. But is Devontae Adams going to have a three-touchdown game? I would be amazed if he does. If he has a one-touchdown game for 65 yards, pretty damn good job by Jalen Ramsey. And, and that gives the Green Bay Packers an opportunity to win. I mean, yeah. it, it, it gives the Rams an opportunity to win. If if Adams is a normal receiver, not Superman, that gives him a chance to win. I hear right. you on this one. Uh, Nate Burleson joining us here on, on Tim and Sid. I, I know there have been a lot of talk about the veteran quarterbacks, Breeze, Brady, Rodgers, and I understand why. It's fun. It's good to see. But there are also four quarterbacks under 26 putting in work. Uh, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, all under 26 years of age. If I gave you the kids versus the vets most wins rest of the playoffs i'll throw golf into the vets because he's like 26 years old in 93 days if i throw golf in with breeze brady and rogers versus the kids who you got that's a good question man <laughs> because leading the pack you have aaron Rodgers, and he's going to be the mvp you almost look at him and you say well wait a minute he, he he's he's gonna he's gonna light up the playoffs and he's gonna represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. But then Tom Brady, with how the Bucks are catching the rhythm, how can you count them out? Oh, not to mention Drew Brees. The dude came back from eleven ribs and is still doing his thing. I can't even eat 11, 11 ribs and walk around. I have to go to sleep immediately after. He broke him and got back on the field. But with all that said, I'm taking the young guns. I don't know. There's something about the young fellas. Like, I, I wanted to start off by complimenting the older guys, which th that's that's what I do. I have to pay homage. But Lamar Jackson, this whole, well, Lamar has to prove something. I mean, you got to get out of the first round. Okay, he proved it. Lamar Jackson was our MVP. And he's been to the playoff now three times in his short career. Pat Mahomes, he's the future. Baker Mayfield is so locked in right now. It's scary. And he's another one of those teams like, like, what do they have to lose? The Browns already won the regular season. The Browns are already playing well. And Josh Allen, like, there's an argument to be made that after Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen is the best quarterback in football, at least this season. Forget about how well you throw the ball or accuracy or what you feel about people's resumes and careers. Best football this year played by a quarterback, Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. So um, I I'm going to take the young guys. I feel like this is one of those young guys will win the Super Bowl this year. That's how much, that's how much faith I have in that young group of quarterbacks. Nate Burleson here on Tim and Sid. So uh, I want to go back to Lamar Jackson for a second. So you hinted at it. He's like won his playoff game. Yeah, yeah, it's a great impression. Um, <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson, um, some people wondered if he can do an impression of a winning quarterback in the postseason. Now he, now he, he is one. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think now there is no offseason criticism? Do you think that narrative, regardless of what happens in Orchard Park this weekend, Saturday night, that is shut down on Lamar Jackson? Nah, there's going to be criticism, um, and, and some of it is, is 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 false narratives that are being thrown out there. Some might be deserved. Now, the, the one I hate is that Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. In his unanimous MVP season, even though he was top 10 in rushing, he also led the league in passing. So I don't understand how he can come off an MVP season leading the NFL in passing touchdowns, and then we all of a sudden 
start recycling this narrative that he can't throw the ball. So I hope we can just watch that one. But what's going to happen if they lose? It's going to be, all right, can he win the, the clutch one? I mean, it's, just, it's good to win a playoff game, but can he win the clutch one? And I'll tell you what, if it's cold, you know what it is. Lamar Jackson, the young fellow from Pompano, Florida, if it's cold and he has a bad game and you, and you have a whole bunch of images of him doing this, or doing a couple of these on the sideline or a couple of shivers, you know what it's going to be. It's going to be like, hey, that Florida boy can't win in the snow. That Florida boy can't win in the cold. Until Lamar Jackson can play outdoors in the cold temperature, we don't know if he can do it and be the same QB. Now, a lot of that might be exaggerated. As much as I am a Lamar Jackson stand, if Lamar Jackson goes out there and he doesn't throw the ball well in those conditions, they might be fair and warranted. Because I don't know if people have been out there in those. I've been out there in the playoffs. I'm talking about it's so cold that the snot is freezing up. As soon as you talk, you can see your breath. You can't wait to get to the sideline and touch that here just to get a brief moment of warmth. And as soon as you take four steps back on the field, your digits go right back to being numb. Forget about the pouch and the hand heaters and, and, the, and the hot apple cider and the soup and, 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 the, and the chili powder in your socks and the Vaseline on None of that works. Don't be fooled. The way it is, some people are built for cold conditions. A lot of the white guys on the team. And some people aren't built for the cold. A lot of the tropical brothers on the team. So what I'm saying is, if he doesn't play well, that narrative that narrative might be uh, following him all off. For, for the record, quick follow up, Tim. For the record, uh, yeah. Lamar Jackson this week did say he has never played in snow before. It's never That's happened. Nice. And the, for, and the forecast in Buffalo is for an inch of snow to be on the ground by the end of that game on Saturday night. So though, just yeah. let's add that to the equation. Tim, go ahead. Let me just add something to the equation as well. I am as pale as they come, Nate Dog, And my hand, I remember feeling like my hands would shatter when it got so cold. Sad. Like a receiver. Like you're going yeah. out there and you're like, you, you got your window. You got your window. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> hey, this is a true story. Yeah. We're playing in, we're playing in uh, Green Bay. And Matt Stafford's that quarterback's late in the game. We had already won the game. It's late in the season. And Matt Stafford comes in. He's like, all right, man, slop right. We got Dodge route. Nate, I'm coming to you. That slop DB, he can't touch you. And I was like, Matt, don't throw this down the ball to me. Don't you? Don't. And, and, and Matt was like, hey, come on, man. Get, get your numbers up, man. You're receiving. You want your... I said, Matt, if you if you throw this ball to me right now, our friendship is over. And I, I ran my route like this. I, I, I was like, I was running to the You're like Jurassic so, Park, so, man. Yeah. yeah so when, like he, he, when I turned around, I was like this. All right. You know, you know it's going through the ground. I'm not catching nothing. <laughs> touch pass, Matt. Touch pass. What are you doing? Underhand uh, it to me. Yeah, the always entertaining Nate Burleson here on Tim and Sid. Uh, all right, we all know that stats are like Nicki Minaj videos. They show us a lot, but they don't show us everything. Oh. So, so I want I want you to tell me if this is a super stat or a meaningless number, okay? The Chiefs' last seven wins have come by six points or less. Is that a super stat or a meaningless number? That's a that's a meaningless number uh, because a, a better stat is or a better number um, or a better headline is that in the last 17 months they have only lost one game. So so like when it comes to the Chiefs, like who cares how you win these games? And and, and I know that a lot of these close games, people say, well look, Pat Mahomes he, he he threw an interception or he almost threw an interception or he. He got lucky, or they, they, they barely scraped away with that one. Okay, what happened last year in the playoffs? You remember that game against Houston? They were down, what, 21 to 0, 24 to 3, or whatever it was. Travis Kelsey gets the cook, and they win that game. 
And then they faced the Titans in the AFC Championship game. Titans were up. And you have Derrick Henry. There's no better place you want to be in the playoffs with a lead and a running back that is the best in football. What happens? The Chiefs come back. All right, let's keep this thing going. They get to the Super Bowl. The Niners are up. You saw the Niners on the sidelines smiling. They feeling themselves. They're like, oh, the confetti's about to drop. The confetti's about to. <laughs> and then Pat Mahomes ripped their heart out. So as far as the Chiefs and winning close games, I could care less how you win them. The fact is, Pat Mahomes can throw three interceptions and still beat you. He can be perfect and beat you. Um, he can make mistakes throughout the game and still score points in the end to beat you. The key isn't having a lead on the Chiefs. The key is trying to blow the Chiefs out. That's the problem. Most teams say, hey, let's keep it close. You can't keep it close with a team like that. that that's, that's, I told you guys that they're the Golden State Warriors of a few years ago with a healthy Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. Like They're, they're going to get buckets, and the buckets are going to come, come in waves. So in order for you to beat the Chiefs, you got to have a, a commanding lead in the second half. 24 nothing last year. And crazy. It ended up it's crazy. 51, 31. Like it's nothing. <laughs> like it's nothing. Uh, uh, Nate, we got 10 seconds. Did the Brooklyn Nets do the right thing? Yes or no? Yes, they did. Uh, but I don't know what Kyrie's going to do. That, that's pretty much the rest of Earth. So I think we're all on the same page there. Which, is uh, it the flat earth or is it no, the round? round. Next Kyrie. segment. I don't want to. What are you doing? All I don't right. want to do this now. Uh, he comes into the segment always hot, never cold. He's the one and only. Nate Burleson. Nate, we love you. Thank you. Love you too, man. You guys take it easy. <laughs> Nate, Doug, uh, always a pleasure. Where in the world is Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving. Uh, we've got a 13th postponement of the NBA season. We will tell you why and get you set on the radio for the Leafs and Sens, the lone North Division matchup in the NHL tonight as they start the first of back-to-back in Ottawa. You're listening to Tim and Zip on Sportsnet Radio and TV. Send us all your money. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher, and we'll send you a free subscription for Sportsnet 590 The Fan On Demand. Absolutely free. We wrap up Tim and Sid with the best of the week winner brought to you by Mary Brown's Chicken. Crave delicious. Looks Damn, so good. They just good. opened a new my one by God, my house, Six Arrow. They just God. opened a new one by my oh. You voted on Twitter in the late entry. I gave Six Arrow the floor as he got fired up about DJ LeMayhew going somewhere other than Toronto. And just as he was getting into pure Six Arrow rant form, the feed froze. But that did not stop him. It never does. Your best of the week winner... That guy said 6 0. The Jays, if they're going to swim in free agent waters, have to spend, really spend, and not four more million on the AAV. We're talking 10 or more, which is why. <laughs> he froze. In, in mid. In mid six zero form, I wanna. I wish I had you the telestrator. You don't need oh, Lindor. No. You don't need Carrasco. You're not outspending anyone else. So who the hell are you gonna get? It actually cut together well. It cut together it well, actually. That's pretty it good. Did. 
for the record, I think my that. I think I think my internet got zapped by Shapiro in the middle of that. Is well that what played, happened Mark. there? Well played. Uh, always always ahead of the game, Mark. Always ahead of the game. A couple things here. We're going to get to a hockey game on the radio, but the 13th postponement of the NBA season was announced last hour. Uh, Grizzlies at Timberwolves has been postponed after Carl Anthony Towns uh, tested positive for COVID-19. For Man. those who don't remember, there's a story there. His mother uh, was lost last year to the virus. So this is obviously... Um, and he had five other family Tim, five other family members also died from COVID nineteen. Like Cat yeah. has has been in it. So we yeah. wish him nothing but the best. Uh he released a statement on Twitter um suggesting that we all take this thing very, very seriously seriously because he knows uh firsthand what it's like to go through it. So another tough break for the NBA, but for Carl Anthony Towns, uh, it means even more. Meanwhile, Sydney, the NHL so far has been so good. Uh, the Dallas Stars have a postponement tonight. That is their first uh, postponement this year. But the Leafs and Sens, the first of two back-to-backs tonight in Ottawa on the Sportsnet radio side of things, Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan in Toronto. Joe Bowen, Jimmy Ralph have the call from Canadian Tire Place in Ottawa uh, this is the first of back-to-backs and a first look at the Ottawa Senators. Uh, someone's always got to go tonight, Tim. Two undefeated <laughs> yes. teams going head-to-head at Canadian Tire Center. Uh, Frederick Anderson tonight. Look, the Sens in general I find, and we all find, pretty interesting, so it's going to be fascinating. But Frederick Anderson's career against this team, the Ottawa Senators, 13 appearances, 8-9-1 save percentage. It ain't hot. It's not very good. And you would assume Jack Campbell's going to go tomorrow night. They play back-to-back in Ottawa. The Leafs back up. So this will be an interesting one for Frederick Anderson tonight, who took a while to get into the game on Wednesday night against Montreal, but as, he got better as it went along. Uh, so we'll see. That, that's, I'm fascinated with that specific angle going into this evening. There's some great ones tonight, but Freddie's going to be interesting to watch. It looks like Zach Hyman goes back to the first line tonight. Barabanov is out. Robertson is in. And Tim Stutzler. Makes his NHL debut. Yesterday I was thinking about how quiet Alexi Lafreniere's debut was. Not just because he got shut out in the game, but because he'll never have the pressure of going into the Canadian markets like Montreal, near his hometown, and and playing those games. But Stutzla playing for Ottawa, there are going to be a lot of eyes on him. Like I'm really curious to see, after a wonderful World Juniors, how he plays tonight in his NHL debut. But it's funny, Tim. It goes. It can, sometimes it goes the other way with Lafreniere and prospects like that. Some guys want those eyes. Yeah. Some guys want that crowd. Some guys want that pressure. Maybe just no, no, no atmosphere in the arena. Maybe that it led to Lafreniere's quiet night last night. Who knows? He'll be fine. But I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Uh, we're done. <laughs> we have reached our weekend, Timmy. Great job. I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the weekend. To all of you listening, all of you watching, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Stay indoors if you can. Enjoy the football, and we will reconvene yeah. on Monday. Will George Springer sign anywhere? We'll talk either way. As we leave you, though, a reminder. I wash your hands, wash, wash your, hands. your hands, and wash your hands. Washing your hands, washing your hands, washing your hands.